Well, good morning. I want to thank you and I want to thank Dr. Mills for the opportunity to share with you guys this morning. And uh, I tell you, I wasn't sure what to expect. It's a Labor Day weekend. Um, Georgia played yesterday. College football everywhere opened up yesterday. And uh, Dr. Mills isn't here today. And we tried to keep that a secret as best as we could. Um, and I don't know if we, it looks like we did a pretty good job. Because there's a lot of them here today. So uh, I thank you, though, for being here today. And uh, I understand that, that uh, we are getting late on the hour. And uh, so if you'll listen fast, I will preach fast. Uh, but you better be ready to listen. Uh, and, and we'll get out of here. Um, when Dr. Mills asked me back, uh, I don't know, it's been a while now, to preach this morning, uh, he was lining out kind of what he was going to do over the next uh, few, I guess, months or so forth. And uh, he, was, he was asking me if I could kind of stay in this theme and this idea of, of relationships with others and so forth. And uh, so when I began to kind of seek out and search what it was that the Lord would have me to share this morning, um, I, I really just kind of want to get back to the heart of the whole deal. And so we're going to be in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verse 9 through verse 17 this morning. And uh, without going into long intros and so forth, if you'll go ahead and turn there, and if you'll stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of God's Word. In John chapter 15, verse 9 through verse 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Let's pray this morning again. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, help us to see... Lord, that uh, at the heart of everything that we're called to do, at the heart of all of our relationships with others, at the heart of being able to forgive, at the heart of being able to live out a life that's pleasing and holy and honoring of you, Lord, at the heart of every bit of it is love. Lord, ultimately, it's your love for us that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. And Lord, that if we know that love, Lord, then ultimately we ought to share that with those around us. So help us today to see this this wonderful, unbelievable concept of love for what it is. Help us today to understand it. And help us today as we leave this place to carry it out in our lives. Lord, we love you. Help us to mean that when we say it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, must admit um, that uh, this is a text that I've dealt with before. I must admit that this is a title that I came up with uh, when I was pastoring in Casita, Georgia, in Chattahoochee County. I came home one afternoon, and I was going through the book of John there, and uh, I, I got home that afternoon from football practice, and Mallory was in the kitchen, and uh, we were one of those families at that point. We didn't have any kids yet, and so we had TVs all over the house, including in the kitchen, 
And uh, so she's in there cooking and the TV's on and Tina Turner is on the TV. This is a Tuesday afternoon. I get home from football practice. I'm trying to figure out what I want to title my sermon that week. And boom, there it is. What's love got to do with it? God used things other than Tina Turner to speak in the Bible. So, you know, I guess it works sometimes. But needless to say, this is the last of Jesus' I Am statements. And I submit to you this morning that as we finish this text, we'll be able to conclude that love has everything to do with our Christian faith. But before we get to that point, we must see four things about love in this passage of Scripture. The first thing that we see in this passage is the purity of love. The purity of love. In verse 9 it says there, As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. And then he says this, Abide in my love. We, we see that this love that we're to abide in is an, a pure love. It's a pure love because of the source of the love. See, God is pure and God is perfect. And while you and I have our faults, while you and I have our shortcomings, the love of Jesus Christ is also pure and perfect. It is God's pure and perfect and holy love that we are to abide in. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is to love from a pure heart. The only way we can love from a pure heart is if Jesus Christ lives within our heart. The only way we can love from a pure heart is if Jesus Christ has control of our heart. Now the problem in our society today is that we live in a society where love is not looked at that way. Instead of love being a conscious choice that comes from a pure heart, today we see relationships falling apart in front of our eyes because love is viewed as a feeling. Love is viewed as something emotional. Love is viewed as that spark we all want to have. I submit to you today that love is not a feeling, but love is a conscious choice. God made the choice to love us in spite of our sin when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And so therefore, it is us who must choose to love those even when we think they're unlovable. Husbands and wives, you don't always have to like each other, but you have to what? Love each other, right? I said that one time in, a, in the, well, actually it was in this, in Chattahoochee County, and I said that, and my, my words got flipped, and Mallory was sitting right there. She's not here today. She had to work Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. And so she's sleeping right now so that the little babies are okay when she takes care of them tonight. And uh, I said that backwards, and she didn't like that too much. And, uh, but, you know, there's times where we don't like each other. That was probably one of those times for her. Because there's times where our husbands and our wives do things that, that we wish they wouldn't do or they get on our nerves or whatever the case may be. I mean, we can act like we're perfect because we're sitting in church, but we know that's not the case. But that's not a relationship a marriage is supposed to be based upon, is it? Instead, it's supposed to be based upon choosing to love one another even in the tough times, right? Why? Because we're to be a reflection of God's pure and perfect love, His agape love, His love that involved a choice. You know, if there's husbands and wives that sometimes may not like each other but still have to love each other, that means sometimes the world around us we don't like very much either. That means sometimes the people we come in contact with we, not, we may not like very much either. 
That may mean that there's times where folks get on our nerves. There's times when folks have different opinions than we do. There's times when folks want to be argumentative. But the fact remains true based upon Jesus' command here is that we are to abide in His love. And that love is a love that's a conscious choice. It's a pure love. It's a perfect love. Not only do we see the purity of love this morning, but the second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is the product of love. The product of love. In verse 10, notice what Jesus says. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So in verse 10, we see that we're to keep His commandments. And look at what it says in verse 11. Verse 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy remain, may remain in you, that your joy may be full. Do you see that? If we love like Jesus loves, it tells us that we'll have joy, a joy that is full, a joy that runs over. And then in verse 16 it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go, and look what it says, and bear fruit, and that your fruit should what? Remain. Should remain. First John chapter 5 verse 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Here we find that we're to keep His commandments. Here we find that we're to bear fruit. Here that we're, we find that through His love that we receive joy. Well, what does it mean to bear fruit, you may ask? Well, we could go through the list, couldn't we? There's a great passage of Scripture that we'll look at here in a little bit in Corinthians that talks about bearing fruit. It talks about what love is, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Y'all got the point, right? But if we love Jesus like he loved us, then shouldn't our love look to the world like his love looks to us as well? I know we heard a lot about it, but listen, if our relationships with others are to be like they're supposed to, then evangelism does have to be a part of it. If our relationship with others is to be like it should be, then forgiveness has to be a part of it. Christian character has to be a part of it. Obedience has to be a part of it. Praise and worship has to be a part of it. What this is telling me here is very simple. Listen, if we love the world around us, not the things of the world, but those lost souls that are dying and going to hell, if they don't see the love of Jesus Christ, then listen, we'll make a difference in their lives because Jesus has made a difference in our lives and that fruit will remain. The product of love shows up in our lives each and every day. Why? Because we are to be a reflection of who Jesus is to us. Why? Because it ought to flow out of us because he's filled us up. We see the purity of love. We see the product of love. I told you you had to listen fast. So listen, number three, we see thirdly this morning the price of love. We see the price of love. Verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this. Mm than to lay down one's life for his friends. You know, there's only one reason that we can show others the love of God. There's only really one reason. It's because it was shown to us on the cross of Calvary. The reason that we're to love those around us the reason that we're to bear fruit and that fruit is to remain, the reason that we can find joy even in the darkest hours of our life is, listen, because of the price of love. The fact is, is that we've sinned, and the fact is, is that because of that sin, we've been separated from Jesus Christ. And the fact is that the Bible teaches us that wherever there is sin, there must be a sacrifice made, right? Right? 
And Jesus Christ was that sacrifice. Jesus Christ was that perfect, pure lamb with his perfect, pure love for you and I who shed his perfect, pure blood for you and me so that you and I could be covered by his grace and covered by his mercy and covered by his blood and show those around us the same love. It's a high price, isn't it? The price of love is that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, was betrayed, was arrested, was beaten, was crucified, and dropped every ounce of blood from his body for you and for me. And because He loved us so much, it didn't stop there. Because we know three days later, He rose from the grave. And we know three days later, He gave us the victory over death and over sin. See, that was the price of love. The price that He laid down His life for His friends. John puts it pretty strong in chapter 3, verse 16 of 1 John. He says this, But this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now now let's talk for... Yeah, I got a second. Let's talk for just a second. Let's be real honest and open. Now, we're sitting in church... And there's a bunch of us in here, and we can give a Sunday school answer and be like, yeah, I'd lay down my life for somebody. Yeah, I'd sacrifice. And some, yeah, that's what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus did it for me. Absolutely. Well, I, maybe I'm not as good as everybody else, but there's about that many people I'd probably really do that for. My wife, my children, some of my family members. I I even said some. That sounded terrible, didn't it? (laughs) I mean, let's get real honest about it. Jesus laid down his life for all of us. We don't deserve it. see the purity of love we see the product of love we see the price of love and then i want you to see to, to not or this morning finally the promise of love the promise of love verse 14 says you are my friends if you do whatever i command you he calls his friends in verse 13 he calls his friends in verse 14 that's big y'all know the song i'm the friend of god he calls me friend i mean there it is No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Now that's interesting there, because we're called to do what? To serve God, right? Do you see that? But yet, even as we're called to serve God, he calls us what? Not a servant, but his friend. For all things that I heard from my Father I've made known to you, he says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And look what it says. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. 
And he tells us these things I command you, that you love one another. What's the promise of love? The promise of love is that because of his love for us, when we accept that gift of salvation, we become what? We become his friends. His friends. His inner circle. See, it is by becoming his friends, it is by becoming part of that inner circle, where he doesn't have to call us servants, but instead we take on the responsibility of servanthood. See, we are His friends. What's happened is there's a change that takes place in our standing. We go from being the enemy of God to being the friend of God. Now that's big. You know what happens when there's a change in standing? All of a sudden there becomes more responsibility with that, right? You get, you get a, a promotion. You, you, something happens in, in, in your job world, whatever the case may be. You get more things placed on you. And maybe you get a raise, whatever it is. There becomes more responsibility with that. But there also becomes this, this, this point where when all of a sudden our status changes, not only is there more responsibility, but, but we also sort of get to see the way things work all of a sudden, right? We get more insight sometimes too, don't we? See, I've got a guy that coaches with me right now, and his name's Matt Bolton. And Matt is a guy that played for me my first year at Jackson County. And Matt was a senior, and we were terrible, and he was really good. And he went on to play college ball at Piedmont, ended up going to UGA, finished up. We got him hired as an English teacher, and he's coaching with us. And while he was finishing his degree at UGA, he was coming back and doing community coaching with us. And so one of the first things I did is I brought him in, and I sat him down, and I said, Matt, you need to understand something. I said, things just changed for you. Because listen, uh, some of these guys were in, in, in like 7th and 8th grade and, and so you knew who they were and they knew who you were and you knew their older brothers and you knew their older sisters. And, and so there's things that before you were on the staff, you probably could have said around certain folks in the community because you're from here and all those kind of things and it wouldn't really matter. But now, you're a coach. And I said, but with that, understand... That there are things that we're going to say in here that you would have never known before, that you would have never heard before. You're going to get to figure out how we actually make this thing work. Why? Because his standing changed, didn't it? His place changed, didn't it? Well, when we go from being the enemy of God to the friend of God, that's what happens. And the promise that's made to us here is that as a result of that, then we become part of the inner circle. How do we know that? Well, it says further here. Look what it says. It says this. It says, For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, do we understand everything that God understands? No, because we're not God, right? His ways, His thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts, and I get that. But don't we have spiritual discernment that comes with having the Holy Spirit dwell within us? That we didn't have before we knew Christ? Because the things of God are foolishness to the lost world around us, aren't they? See, with becoming part of the inner circle, yes, it places more responsibility on us, but listen, it causes us to be His friends. It gives us His Word. It gives us His Holy Spirit. It gives us the inside scoop. It gives us discernment. And then one of the greatest promises that we have of His love is what we see in verse 16. The fact that we have a direct line to the Father through Jesus Christ. That we're able to pray and He's able to hear our prayers and answer our prayers. Now, it says, notice it, says, it doesn't say whatever you ask, He'll give you. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That'd be really cool. I'd have some really big beach house in Hawaii somewhere in my own private jet to fly there all the time. It'd be cool. Got to go there one time. I keep saying we're going to go back, and I don't know, one day we'll go back. But that's not what it says. Whatever you ask the Father in 
His name He'll give you. You know, you know how that works, right? Quick, quick prayer lesson. When we desire our will to line up with His will. You see that? Sometimes we ask for things and what happens is, is we're asking our will. What we want. But if we ask in His name, if we're asking under His will, then all of a sudden sometimes He'll change our wants and our desires, won't He? That's a good promise, isn't it? Because in the fallen world we live in, things can get pretty messed up. To know that He's there to hear our prayers and to answer our prayers. And we know ultimately the promise of His love is what? It's salvation, isn't it? Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. The promise of salvation, the promise of eternal life, the promise of having discernment from the Holy Spirit in His Word, the promise of praying and having direct line to Him, the promise of becoming His friends, the promise of the things that were once foolishness no longer being foolishness to us. So I ask you, how important is love to our faith? Well, in Leviticus, it says that we're to love your neighbor as yourself. In Deuteronomy, the Word of God says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our strength. In Psalms, we're told that the love the Lord all of, our, all of His saints. We're told that He set His love upon us. In Proverbs, we're told that love covers all sin. In Ecclesiastes, we're told that there's a time to love. In Song of Solomon, we're told that His banner over us is love, and love is as strong as death. In Micah, we're told that the Lord requires us to love mercy. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we're told to love our enemies, to love our neighbors, and to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. In John, we're told that, if, that He'll know that we're His disciples if we love one another. We're told that if we love Him, we'll keep His commandments. We're told that if we love Him, that will keep His Word and His, and His Father will love us. Y'all know the story of Peter? And Peter is asked, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he says, what? Feed my sheep. In Romans, we're told that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We're told that He who loves another has fulfilled the law. We're told that love does no harm to a neighbor. And then 1 Corinthians, we mentioned it earlier, chapter 13. Love suffers long, is kind, does not envy, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Now abide. Faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Second Corinthians tells us the love of Christ compels us, compels us to ministry, compels us to good works. In Galatians, we're told the fruit of the Spirit is love. In Ephesians, we're told that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. In 1 Timothy, we're simply told to pursue love. In Hebrews, we're told to let brotherly love continue. In 1 Peter, we're told that love covers a multitude of sins. In 2 Peter, we're told to add love to our faith. In 1 John, we're told, do not love the world or the things of the world, but instead love is of God. God is love. Love has been perfected among us, and that we love Him because He first loved us. But oh, the warning that comes in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4.
where Jesus looks at the church of Ephesus and he says, you've left your first love. I ask you today, do you love the Lord? Do you? He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He loves you so much that if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, in just a moment we're going to have a time of invitation. And listen, you'll have a time to respond and come and meet one of our pastors here at the front and say, hey, I need to know Christ as my Savior. And they'll pray with you today and you can make that right. But if you're here today and you know Christ as Savior, I ask you again, do you love the Lord? He loves you. He loves you so much that He died for you. He loves you so much that He forgave you. He loves you so much that He poured out His grace and mercy upon us when we didn't deserve it. He loves you so much that, listen, He's there to hear your every prayer and to meet your every need. He loves you so much that He's given you insight. He's given you discernment. He loves you so much that in times of need, when it seems like we're all alone, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. So I ask you again, do you love the Lord? I want to tell you today, He loves you. And if He loves you that much, if He loves me that much, you know what? Then we ought to love others that much as well. We ought to love the brethren. We ought to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we ought to love the lost world around us. With our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's going to show by us being there to build one another up, to help each other grow, to be there in times of need, to forgive. Even when we don't agree with anything that they're saying, we still love them. You know, that also means we hold them accountable. Do you hear that? That's part of love. And if we love the lost, it's going to show in us sharing our faith with the world around us. So today the invitation is very simple. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to tell you today He loves you enough that He sent His Son to die for you and I want you today to make that decision to accept Him as your Savior. And today if you're here and you know Christ as Lord and Savior, listen, is there an area of your life where you haven't been showing the love of God to those around you? Maybe it's in a relationship with a spouse. Maybe it's in your relationship with your children. Maybe it's with a brother or a sister or a cousin or a person in the workplace. Maybe it's with someone that you go to church with and they're sitting on the other side or right beside you or in the front or in the back. Whatever it may be, listen. We've been called to love the world around us with a pure love, with a love that produces something. It produces fruit. With a love that represents the price that Jesus Christ paid for us on the cross of Calvary. And when we understand that love, listen, the promise that He's given us is bigger than anything you and I could ever imagine. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your love. Lord, I thank You today that because You loved us so much that You died for us on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, I thank You today that because of that love, that, Lord, everything we do should be driven and motivated by love. And how that we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and how that we deal with the lost world around us, let it be bathed in your love, a pure love, 
A love that saves and gives eternal life. A love that calls us friend. Lord, today, as we sing, I ask you that there are those that are here today that don't know you. I, I know there are, Lord. And I ask you that today will be the day that they come and accept you as Savior. Lord, for those here today that do know you. Lord, if there's an area of their life that hasn't been controlled by your love, that hasn't been bearing the fruit of your love, Lord, let today be the day that they get that right. Let today be the day that that changes in their life. Lord, we give you this invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother A.B., Brother John, we're going to be here at the front. Brother Jonathan's going to be here at the front. And you come as we sing today. All to Jesus. I All